we're going to talk about today. Carson Wentz update. Looks like Wentz might be back as soon as this week, or week three might be the the realistic option against the Indianapolis Colts, maybe week four against the Tennessee Titans, but we had some interesting stuff from Chris Mortensen of ESPN discussing Carson Wentz and his health. Also, the 2019 free agents, I mentioned Ronald Darby, not just him, but Brandon Graham and Jordan Hicks and Jay Ajayi, all had really big games against Atlanta, and it's going to be an interesting situation what happens this offseason with those players, so we're going to talk about those guys, how they shined on Thursday, and the situation the Eagles have with trying to keep all of those players because they're all a part of this core that helped the Eagles win a Super Bowl in 2017, and then also a look at the NFC East around as we wrap up the show later on, talking about the, the Washington Redskins, the New York Giants, and the Dallas Cowboys, how they performed yesterday on a Sunday full of some crazy finishes, some crazy close games. It, it was a fun, I think a very successful season opening week for the NFL and for the NFC East. I think the Eagles look pretty promising in this 2018 season, so we're going to get into all that and more on today's edition of the Lockdown Eagles podcast. But let's start, of course, with the face of the franchise himself, Mr. Number two overall pick, Mr. Close to NFL MVP. I know people that listen to the pod, sometimes they they catch me saying MVP quarterback Carson Wentz because he was my MVP. I think he played better than anybody in the NFL last year. But nonetheless, he fine, we'll go with Mr. MVP caliber quarterback Carson Wentz. Again, the face of this Philadelphia Eagles franchise. Carson Wentz, according to ESPN's Chris Mortensen, Wentz has not been ruled out of Week 2's matchup against Tampa Bay this weekend. So, you know, this is an interesting report. We we know he's been close. How our mindset with Wentz has, has kind of changed over the past few weeks because during the summer we, we saw the videos, we saw how healthy he looked, and we were thinking to ourselves, this guy is absolutely playing Week 1 against the Atlanta Falcons. Then a week before, you kind of get the gist, okay, Nick Foles is going to be playing in this one. Wentz isn't 100% yet. The doctors and the coaching staff want to be a little bit more conservative with him. So, you know, Rappaport comes out the day of the game against Atlanta saying week three is expected to be when Carson Wentz makes his return week three or four, but he's still going to be out for several weeks. So then we kind of got the gist. Okay. For the first couple of weeks, we're going to have Nick Foles in here, but now Chris Mortensen comes out and says, Wentz hasn't been ruled out against this weekend's matchup against Tampa Bay, which is extremely interesting because after last week, I kind of reset my mind to, okay, we're going to see Foles for the first couple of weeks of the year. If they're winning games, you might not see Carson Wentz for the first month of the season. And I talked to Dr. Randon Hall, the injury source on our show. You can go check that out on the feed. And he said, you know, a couple of weeks doesn't really increase the, the probability of Carson Wentz not re-rupturing his ACL and LCL. But a month could increase. It could really be a, a good preventative measure, maybe even more time. The, 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 the longer you wait, the healthier those ligaments get for Wentz. So it made sense for me that if they're winning football games – and Nick Foles is looking competent enough, they're going to be extra conservative with Carson Wentz and this approach. But it looks like he might play this week. We'll see. I still don't think he's going to, but I would not be surprised at all if he's under center against against Tampa Bay this week. And it's it's a good start against a defense that – and we're, we're going to preview the Tampa Bay Buccaneers-Eagles matchup throughout the week. We have our crossover edition on Wednesday. Tomorrow we'll get a first look at the matchup. But it's a defense that, although their offense put up over 40 points, it's a defense that gave up quite a lot against the New Orleans Saints and the Eagles have just as much firepower on offense as the Saints did on Sunday. So it could be an interesting start for Carson Wentz, but – I don't know. We'll see. If he's ready, then he is ready, and I play him. You know, if the plan is to play a week 
is to play Carson Wentz a week or two into the season, then go and play him when you feel like he is absolutely ready. Don't wait a week or two more just to, for the sake of being conservative, just for the sake of being a little bit hesitant and scared about putting Carson Wentz on the field. If the plan is, okay, we want to take the long-term approach and we're not going to play him for at least the first month of the season, then I'm for it. But if he's ready to play, then he's ready to play. And if you decide that you are playing him early on in the season, then get him out there the sooner the better. Because again, a week or two is only going to increase the odds of a of a, re, of a non-re-rupture by 5 or, or 10%, and it's really just not worth it to me. Is if fine, I'm all for the conservative approach with Wentz. That's fine by me. But if you're going to do that, keep him out for a, a good four to five weeks to really get him extra healthy on that leg. So um, a week or two doesn't make a huge difference health-wise with this injury, at least to me. I'm not a a medical expert, but I think if you want to play him in the next two weeks and you're really seriously considering playing him against Tampa Bay and the doctors clear him, you go. If the doctors clear him, then he is playing. Unless, again, you, regardless, want to wait a little extra time by, and by a little extra time, I mean a good month into the regular season. That that I'm for it. That, but you know, that, and that being said, an extra month that could get you through Tampa Bay, Indianapolis, and Tennessee. I mean, look, that gets Carson Wentz's ACL even stronger. Plus, I think the Eagles should be at least three and one through that first month. You know, uh, they got through the really tough challenge of the Atlanta Falcons on Thursday night, and then. You go against a Tampa Bay team that I expect the offense to bounce back against that defense that struggled the past few years. They have some familiar faces with Vinnie Curry up front and, and Bo Allen. but And then you play a Colts team that should be beatable. It's probably the tougher test of the three. And then you play a Titans team that Marcus Mariota's hurt right now. Taylor Lewan is hurt. Delaney Walker's out for the season after suffering that ankle injury, which was tough to watch yesterday against the Dolphins. I mean, the Eagles could realistically run the table and be 4-0 or 3-1, and so... Uh, that that's another incentive is if you're if you're still winning these football games then sure I mean if Wentz is healthy I want him to play but if the approach is we do want to get that leg as healthy as possible them winning does factor into it a little bit if the offense is struggling I don't think it should factor into it if you're concerned about Wentz saying he's not quite ready yet but we're going to throw him out there because the offense is struggling that raises a red flag I have a problem with that but if the offense isn't playing well, maybe they drop one or two of those games, and it's the difference of, well, Wentz is ready now, but we just want to get him a little bit stronger, then I'm throwing Wentz out there. So it's going to be a, a definite touch and feel type of situation with Wentz still in these next couple weeks. Uh, it's going to be interesting. I just want to let me read to you what Chris Mortensen said about this because what he said was pretty promising based on what Wentz has been doing in practice. Quote, now Wentz gave the Eagles aggressive defense, a great scout team look playing the role of Matt Ryan on the scout team last week against the Falcons he got bumped around he got stepped on his GPS data is trending towards playing sooner rather than later key final piece of data is can he protect himself he has reached that threshold and being able to protect himself sooner than later on Carson Wentz so I still think week three to five is the right way to go against Tampa Bay I think the offense has bounced back with Carson or with Nick Foles excuse me under center I think Mike Wallace gets back into it, and it really was all about Foles. I think the run game looked strong when they actually decided to commit to it. The offensive line looked really good. I I still see this offense being able to get the Eagles a win against the Buccaneers on Sunday without Carson Wentz. So I think really aim for a week three to four 
debut for Carson Wentz. I think that's when he's going to make his debut. But, you know, if it was me making the call, if it's if, if he's 95% right now and next week he's only going to get to, you know, 97%, I'm, I'm putting him on the field. It's really all about are you – are you willing to wait longer into the regular season to get that extra amount of time to protect the leg? It, it really depends on just what you want the timetable to be with him. If you're again planning on playing him in the first month of the season, then let's just let's get let's get him out there when, when the doctors clear him. There's no there's no need to be extra cautious unless you're really considering increasing the percentage chance of a non-rupture by a significant portion of 50 percent if you're holding him hold him holding him out half of the season that that that's the route so it's definitely interesting but according to Chris Morrison it looks like Carson Wentz could play this week against Tampa Bay before we get into our next segment talking about the 2019 free agents and how they dominated against the Atlanta Falcons on Thursday I want to talk to you guys about my bookie ever since I started this podcast people have been asking me for advice and usually it's on what team to bet this week the truth is I don't know who's going to win, you know, but if you think you know, you got to check out my bookie. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys, they're your best bet this season. They've been in business for years, have great reviews online, and their mobile site is very easy to use. Lay down some cash and win big today. I would only recommend a service to my listeners that's been good to me. That's why I'm urging you to make your way to my bookie. You win, they pay. They have in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business. And for you fantasy guys out there, I'm big into fantasy football. You can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. So join now and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use the promo code LOCKEDON to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's MyBookie. And don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON when creating your account to claim the bonus. You play, you win, you get paid. Let's get into our next segment, ladies and gentlemen, here on the Lockdown Eagles podcast, and we are talking about the 2019 free agent class that the Eagles have coming up this this off season and how they performed against the Atlanta Falcons. Because really, when you talk about who were the bright spots against the Falcons, it was Ronald Darby, it was Brandon Graham, it was Jordan Hicks, it was Jay Ajayi, and it was Nelson Aguilar. And you look at the contract situations of all these players. And Darby's a free agent, Jordan Hicks is a free agent, Brandon Graham needs to get paid, Jay Ajayi, Nelson Aguilar has the fifth-year option that the Eagles picked up on him, so they can realistically keep Aguilar all of this season and all of next season without giving him a new contract, maybe prioritizing some of the other guys. But they were all really good on Thursday. They were the biggest pieces to that Eagles win. And, you know, Darby was the best player on the field, if you ask me. I know Julio Jones had a, over 160 rece- uh, receiving yards, but Darby was still strong. I, I did the film study on the corners. Again, you can check that out at LockdownEagles.com. But his closing speed on the ball, he, he was tackling really nicely. And then in the red zone, where I'm kind of concerned about him sometimes because of his size, Julio Jones goes up for the ball and catches it. Darby plays extremely aggressive. The way he torqued the body, the way he aggressively got Julio out of bounds to secure the win was impressive and Mills did it last year and it's Darby's turn and he closed it out Darby was the best player on the field if you ask me and then Jordan Hicks making his you know debut in 2018 coming off that injury that he suffered against Washington last year when he was out for the season he had seven tackles and one and a half sacks 
Brandon Graham coming off the ankle injury made some amazing plays against the run. He also forced Matt Ryan outside the pocket on one of those goal line plays in that final drive. So Brandon Graham was disruptive, not only on the outside defensive end, but they were moving him around, you know, having having what Cox and Graham on one side. Cox takes the outside. Graham shoots up inside against some of those offensive guards from Atlanta, and he was beating them to the ball. Jay Ajayi had two touchdowns, and Nelson Aguilar was the only player in the passing game, it seemed, making plays. Even Zach Ertz, who's really the foundation piece in the passing game when it comes to receivers, had three drops, you know, and Mike Wallace wasn't getting open, and or even if he was open, Nick Foles wasn't finding him. Nick Foles wasn't really clicking with anybody else outside of Aguilar. So this is a, a very talented group of players that the Eagles, I'm sure, really want to keep. It's, it's a big chunk of the core again, of last year's championship team, and it's a big chunk of the core that this year hopefully will win another one. And they're all going to need new contracts next year. You know, it's going to be possible to keep all of them, as, as Zach Moore of OverTheCap.com said when we had him on the podcast earlier in the offseason. There's a way the Eagles can clear up about $27 million in, in cap space this year by making some moves. But realistically, they're not going to be able to cash in on every one of these players. Not all of these players are going to just take whatever offer the Eagles give them. They're going to test the open market. You know how free agents get overpaid in the NFL. It's not often that these guys get to negotiate as a as just an unrestricted free agent. You know, the NFL, it's very easy for teams to keep players. There's the franchise tag. There's the first four years of your rookie deal. If you're a first-round pick like Nelson Aguilar was, there's a, there's a fifth-year option. So, obviously, you're going to want to play in Philadelphia, I'm sure, because they're a championship team. It's a great culture. It's a great coaching staff to play for, a big city, you know, a big market. But, again, if a team comes to Ronald Darby and says, we're going to pay you like the Patriots paid Stephon Gilmore, giving you 14 to $15 million a year, I don't think the Eagles are going to be able to match that just based on they have to pay everybody else and that Carson Wentz contract is coming up. It's realistic. They could do it. There's ways around it. If I trust anyone with the salary cap, it's Howie Roseman. I think he is very strong and very stealthy with, with the salary cap and how he's been able to maneuver it. You know, when we talk about it last year, how many people actually thought Nigel Bradham was going to stay with the team? It almost seemed like a lock that they weren't going to be able to keep him, and they got it done. You know, they kept their core intact. So it's the same situation this year, only there's just more guys that are hitting the open market. I think they're going to, if you had to ask me now, they'll keep at least two of them, but I think three is the realistic. And that's not including Aguilar because I think, you know, they're going to end up giving him an extension quickly. Oh, I think he might be the one of the first players that gets a deal. They do have the fifth-year on option, fifth option on him anyway, so even if they decide to wait a year, they can pay Nelson Aguilar in 2020. So, you know, if I had to rank the priorities, I'd probably go Brandon Graham one still. I know he's 30 years old, but he's a pass rusher. Who knows how much longer Chris Long's going to play. Michael Bennett might be one of the cap casualties next year so that the Eagles can pay these other guys. And they're going to need pass rushers still to go with Derek Barnett. And who knows how ready Josh Sweat will be. So Brandon Graham, he's only 30. You know, he still, to me, could get four or five really good years out of him. He still looks extremely fresh. He's coming off his best season of his career. I'm paying Brandon Graham first. Then second, it's it's Nelson Aguilar. I want to get a deal done with him. I think he is the best receiver on the Eagles. I think he is going to emerge as such this season. And it's no knock on Alshon Jeffrey. I just love and believe that much in Nelson Aguilar's potential after getting out of that funk he had in his first two years. And it really seems like he fully grasps what it takes to be an NFL receiver now. So Aguilar is a player I definitely don't want to lose. And then 
At number three, I would go Jordan Hicks. I think Jordan Hicks, he showed on Thursday night what people forgot about him, how disruptive he, he is everywhere on the field in coverage against the run. With the blitzes, he had he pretty much had two sacks. Him and Chris Long split the second one. Jordan Hicks was all over the ball. When he's healthy, he's a top five inside linebacker in this league, and Nigel Bradham's there as well, but Jordan Hicks is a player they can keep probably on the cheap anyway. Inside linebackers don't get paid a whole lot. You saw what Nigel Bradham got last year, a very team-friendly deal. Hicks has had injury problems in the past, so I think it'll be easier for him to get a deal done. So this is my ranking based on priority signings, who I would prioritize out of the realistic people that they're going to sign. I think Jordan Hicks might be one or two, but he's three on this list behind Graham and Aguilar, just based on who I would rather keep. And then at four, it would be Ronald Darby and five, Jay Ajayi. So these are the two players I think it's the least realistic that the Eagles are going to keep them. And with Darby, again, I really like him, and I think this year so far he looks like a cornerback one, and I think he's going to have a really good season, maybe even an elite season. And I think that's going to price out the Eagles because, again, if a team comes to Darby and says, we're going to give you, you know, remember Byron Maxwell money if, if you're an Eagles fan, which I hope you are listening to the podcast, but if you're if you're a team that's coming to Ronald Darby saying, we're going to pay you like Stephon Gilmore got paid or Byron Maxwell or some of these players that are getting over 13 to $15 million annually because that's just what corners get on the market. It's a very hard position to find really good talent like Ronald Darby, especially with his speed. And in a league with so many fast wide receivers, you saw it on display yesterday, Darby is a priority for teams in free agency this year, a player with his caliber. And why he's so low for me is I also really believe in this Eagles depth at corner. You saw it. Sidney Jones had a great game against Atlanta. I think Jalen Mills is a foundation piece in the secondary. Razul Douglas only played two snaps, and he got an interception covering Julio Jones in the red zone. I, I believe in those three. I believe in Avante Maddox in the slot. Would I like to keep Ronald Darby? Of course, because there's still ways to get all those guys in the field. I think there's potential of moving Rizul Douglas to safety down the road when McLeod's gone and when Malcolm Jenkins is gone. You know, Jalen Mills is also could be a safety hybrid, and Sidney Jones is going to be on the outside. But I would rather have all these other guys just based on the Eagles have more options when it comes to cornerbacks, young options, and... Darby's going to cost the most, probably, out of all these guys, he's going to be the most expensive. Brandon Graham's probably going to get the biggest contract, but he's not going to get the competition, I think, to to sign him as much as Ronald Darby is, just based on Darby's age, the position he plays, and his skill set. Because, again, a, a corner of that speed and how he looked, again, week one, if he does that all year, so his age, his speed, and his 2018 performance – He's going to get a big deal. Someone is going to overpay for Ronald Darby. Cause, and I think any corner, unless you're Patrick Peterson or Jalen Ramsey, if you're getting paid over $15 million, that's that's a tough pill to swallow unless you're an elite corner. So Darby 4 and then Ajayi 5. I, I really do want to keep Jay Ajayi. I think he's only 25 years old. Every time he plays, he's just so efficient. When the, Since he's been with the Eagles, he's been their most efficient runner. And I, I, I want to see him play with the Eagles in the future. But it depends on what, you know, we're talking with this with this market. You know, running backs are the easier position to find out of all these we talked about. I'd rather keep a pass rusher like Brandon Graham, a disruptive linebacker in Jordan Hicks that can do everything, including cover, you know, a cornerback in Ronald Darby, a wide receiver that has home run capability, but also underneath 
amazing on third downs when we're talking about Nelson Aguilar. Jay Ajayi is probably the most replaceable guy of these, you know, but that still doesn't mean I would I would not want him on this roster. He has been extremely efficient. He's young. The Eagles have a great offensive line, so he can thrive in this offense. It's just, you know, he's talked about cashing in next year. He's been pretty open with it. He's talked about wanting to be the workhorse. And his agent, Drew Rosenhaus, I'm sure is going to look to get him a big deal this offseason, considering how the running back market has gradually improved What since Todd Gurley is getting his big deal and David Johnson. And you know Le'Veon Bell is going to get paid in the offseason, even if it's not by Pittsburgh. They're all going to get into the receiver, top receiver type money, you know, in the in the $15 million, $17 million range, which is going to bump up now. The, the middle guys like Jay Ajayi and you know, Devonta Freeman, those guys are going to be able to get the contracts that the top guys were getting. And, you know, just it's just inflation. It's just how it works in the NFL when the contracts go up. The majority of the other players do as well. So if the Eagles can keep him on a $6, 7000000 million a year type thing, if they can get him on a better deal because he wants to stay with the Eagles because of his health concerns, then I'm all for it because I know it's easy to find running backs sometimes in the fourth, fifth round. We found Corey Clement as a undrafted free agent. But when you have young talent at the position, that's been top five, you know, a top five, top 10 rusher the past couple of years in the NFL, when you already have him in the building and you can afford him, I'm keeping him. And that that's, that's the route with Jay Ajayi. But I think it's the least realistic just based on how the Eagles have shown what they like to do when addressing the running back position. They haven't used any big draft draft capital on them. And, you know, they haven't, really paid anybody since LaShawn McCoy, and that's the reason why they traded LaShawn McCoy. I know Chip Kelly paid DeMarco Murray, but I'm talking about more the Howie Roseman and Joe Douglas era of the Eagles. They have not paid anybody at running back money or high draft capital. So I think J.J. is the least likely to be signed, and right now of all the guys, I would probably choose to re-sign him last of all of them, just based on priorities. But, you know, I don't think Ronald Darby's going to re-sign here, so is it realistic that the Eagles can keep Brandon Graham, Jordan Hicks, and Jay Ajayi? Absolutely. I think that they can do that if they hold off on an Aguilar-Carson Wentz contract and they free up some of the cap space that they are capable of doing this offseason. I think they're all realistically in a position where they could re-sign with the Eagles next year, but <laughs> they might all really raise their stock if they continue to play like they did against Atlanta on Thursday. So it's just... You know, hopefully the Eagles can keep a lot of those guys because they are the core. Brandon Graham is the Eagles' best pass rusher. Jordan Hicks is, you know, we talk about the backbones of the defense with Malcolm Jenkins and Fletcher Cox and Nigel Bradham. Jordan Hicks is one of the leaders of the defense. He is the middle linebacker, really the quarterback of the defense. So you have him. Darby's your cornerback one right now. Nelson Aguilar, to me, is your most dangerous weapon on offense when we're talking about receivers and just entirely. And then, you know, Jay Ajayi's your number one running back. So there is a lot of significant contributors to the Eagles in free agency next year. And I just thought it was really interesting that they all played really well week one against Atlanta. And it's not surprising to me, though, because when you're in a contract year, normally you play a lot better football. All right, coming up on the Lockdown Eagles podcast, we wrap up the show with a look around the NFC East as the Redskins, Giants, and Cowboys were all in action yesterday in the NFL Week 1 season opener of 2018. That's coming up next right here on the Lockdown Eagles podcast. But first, I want to talk to you guys about the new Lockdown Fantasy podcast. Lockdown Podcast Network is now Lockdown Fantasy. The crew from Fantasy Football 24-7 will be joining the network and be Lockdown Fantasy Football 
24-7. They've been hosting a really strong fantasy football show for many seasons. They'll bring their insight to your team and help you every day and every week of the season. In addition to their hosts, Willie and Derek, Ethan Turner is their injury expert, getting all the bases covered to help you win your fantasy championship. So head over to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere you subscribe and check out the Locked on Fantasy Podcast. All right, guys, welcome back to the show as we wrap it up with our final segment, taking a look around the NFC East. Only one team got a win yesterday in the division as Washington took down the Arizona Cardinals at the 4 o'clock game. The Giants fall to the Jacksonville Jaguars, and the Dallas Cowboys lose to the Carolina Panthers. So the Eagles at 1-0, the Redskins are at 1-0, and Dallas and New York are at 0-1. And I'm watching these games yesterday, and it made me feel a lot more comfortable. I mean, it's not as if I didn't think the Eagles were going to win the division with ease anyway, because I think this is the weakest division in the NFC. But watching those games, I think it made me and Eagles fans out there feel even even better. Because, yeah, Washington won the game, but if you saw Arizona, how bad their offensive line was, how bad Sam Bradford looked, that wasn't a very good team Washington was playing. They didn't have to do much to secure that victory. And then you look at the Giants, it was close against Jacksonville, but I even tweeted it out. Follow me on Twitter at DBSELOE. Shameless plug. The Giants, it was close. It was a one-score game, but that's how Jacksonville's going to win football games this year. They're never really going to blow out teams because they have an elite defense, but their offense really is not going to put up more than 20 points a game with Blake Bortles and Leonard Fournette. I mean, Leonard Fournette's your really only dangerous threat on that side of the ball to score points. So they're going to win a lot of games by one or two scores, and it might make you feel optimistic because of how good Jacksonville is as a team. They got to the AFC Championship game last year, but their offense really isn't going to blow the doors off you on a week-in, week-out basis. So the, the Giants, yeah, you only lost by a, by one score, but Eli Manning looked bad. The offensive line was bad. That's a team that doesn't scare me at all for the Eagles and the NFC East. And then we talk about the Cowboys. They have no weapons, and Dak Prescott looks to be a one-hit wonder so far. I, I don't, I th- it's a little premature to say because it is only his third year and it's only week one, but his accuracy was bad. He was. It, it only looked like Dallas was using one to two read looks on offense. It was very simple. It was very gadgety, trying to hide the flaws of this offense. I'm just saying, I I think Dak Prescott, it used to be a legitimate argument between Carson Wentz and Dak Prescott after, you know, halfway through last year, but seeing what Dak did after Zeke went down last year and seeing what he did yesterday against the Panthers, I don't think the Eagles have anything to worry about about in this division, and it's why I think that they're going to be the one seed. It's why I predicted that in our predictions for the NFL season, because they're in the worst NFC division there is right now. You know, the other divisions looked really tough yesterday. If you watch the Sunday night game, Chicago arguably should have beat Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers had to come back down two scores in the second half. The Lions might realistically be the worst team in that division because of how good the Vikings looked. And you look at the the NFC West, the Cardinals are pretty bad, but Seattle went toe-to-toe with Denver. They looked competent at least. And San Fran went toe-to-toe with Minnesota. And then you look at the NFC South, (laughs) the worst team, Tampa Bay, just took down the New Orleans Saints with Ryan Fitzpatrick. So those teams are all going to have to beat up on each other and scratch and claw to get through their divisions, whereas the Eagles, to me, I wouldn't be surprised if they only lost one game if not swept their division record. I I think they're significantly ahead of the Redskins, the Giants, and the Cowboys right now. And it it just makes you think why the Giants did not take a quarterback. I'll never understand or, or 
Dallas, really, maybe even thinking about, man, I wish we still had Tony Romo because, yeah, Dak Prescott took them to a 13-3 record of bye week in his rookie season. But since then, he has looked like a one-dimensional quarterback with significant flaws that he really resembles a Tyrod Taylor type of player right now where he's got mobility, and if he didn't have mobility, you would be thinking he's a Sam Bradford. That That's really where we're at right now with Dak Prescott. So Eagles fans, you should be feeling really good about the team, not only because they got a win on Thursday against Atlanta, but also because the NFC is not very good right now. All right, that's going to put